0: My name is Lauren Fryder and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Before I talk about Jesus's final miracle, that is the resurrection after a death on the cross... I want to first start with Jesus' first miracle, and I want to go from first to final and compare the two and let God speak to our hearts this morning. You know, Jesus' first miracle is would have been his opening of his public account. Before Jesus did this miracle, um, he, he didn't ruffle too many people's feathers. The Bible doesn't say a ton about his childhood, but we could be led to believe that other than the occasional showing up at the temple to talk with some older men about God and the things of God, he was a pretty normal kid. His brothers didn't think he was anything special. His hometown kids must not have thought he was anything special. He probably played ball in the backyard just like the rest of them, probably got trouble in school or however that went. He probably, actually, he probably didn't get in trouble. I'm just saying he was a normal kid, but when he went public with his first miracle, it was his coming out. It was a no turning back moment. It was a, okay, game on. This is, this is who I am, and I'm going to reveal who I am to everybody, and so he had to do it at the right time. Timing. If you got your Bible, you could go with me to John chapter 2 because I think we can learn something by looking at the first miracle and the final miracle. You know, some people say that you could get the context of a, of, of a book by reading the first page of the book and reading the last page of the book, and you're going to get a context of what's on going on on the inside. I think today we're going to get a look at what the, the, the immense depth of who jesus was by comparing the first miracle to the final miracle the bible describes the first miracle in john chapter 2 uh, 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 historians believe this was his very first one and it's at the wedding feast in uh, cana and the bible says this in john 2 verses 1 through 3 it says there was a wedding celebration in the village of cana in galilee jesus's mother somebody say mary Jesus' mother Mary was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. How many of y'all know it's a good idea to invite Jesus to your party? I hope you figure that out before the end. (laughs) Verse 3, here comes the problem. Uh, Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Like, some might go, what's the big deal? But in first century Wedding context, this would have been a source of grand shame. This would have been a huge embarrassment. This would have been the type of thing that this couple would never have lived down. The in-laws would never have lived down. They would go down in infamy throughout the city. Uh, every time someone got married, they'd be like, did you order enough wine? You don't want to be like Dinah and Rafa's kids. <laughs> you know, oh, sorry, Rafa, I, I didn't know you were right there. They, every single time people talked about weddings, they would remember the time that their family Ran out. Now, wh- why would that be? Well, I think that's quite a difficult standard to live up to considering their wedding feast lasted for seven days. Oftentimes, the bridal uh, 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 family puts on a, a, a wedding and a reception that lasts a few hours, but they had to supply food and, and, and wine for seven days. This seems like an impossible standard, yet, that was their cultural um, expectations. And if they would have ran out, they would have never lived it down. Have you ever done something before that you just could not live down no matter how much goodwill you do afterward? I can remember I was like, five, I don't know, maybe four. I'm going to keep decreasing my age so that it just makes more sense why I would do this, but I can remember I was roughly five or or four when my parents brought me to, uh, uh, brought the whole family to Disney World, and we were in one of those lines, like everybody's in lines all the time there. We were waiting to catch like a bus to, to get to somewhere, I don't know, and I could just remember just kind of spacing out a little bit as the kid in front of me was wearing a hat But it wasn't just a regular hat. It was a hat that had horns coming out the top of it. It was figment. Come on, how many of y'all love the purple dinosaur? I don't know, never mind. Anyway, anyway. But but figment figment had these horns coming out. I don't know if I had a little five-year-old engineer brain going on inside me, but I can remember just looking like, how are those horns staying up, and what are they made of? And without thinking about it, I really was thinking not thinking at all. I just reached up, and I squeezed one of them, and um, the kid flips around and looks at me like the audacity. Their their parents look at me like I'm trying to take the hat off the kid's head. My parents start looking at me, and then they all realize, oh, he pinched a hat. (laughs) And everyone just starts laughing every single Thanksgiving, Easter, get together, Christmas, family gathering. My girls come together and my, my their mama and papa are like, let us tell you the story. <laughs> it's so funny when Drew reached out and grabbed that kid's hat. Ah, and everybody's laughing. I'm like, how many times are we going to tell this story? Like, can we erase this from our memory? I made a mistake. It was fine. It's not that big of a deal. And this couple would have exponentially been embarrassed running out of wine. Notice they had Jesus at the wedding, and I think that's pretty good too. My question I ask you is, what are you going to do when it starts running out? When when things begin to run out and you realize you're running out of patience, you're running out of willpower, you're running out of joke. Jope, I wanted to say joy and hope, but I combined the two of them. When you're running out of joke, you're going to realize you need a little something more than it all just relying on you. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Three steps to do when you don't know what to do I want to share with you today from this story. Number one, look at verse three. It says, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told Jesus they have no more wine. Number one. Bring your problems to Jesus. Oh, I feel for you if you don't have Jesus at your wedding party. I'm not talking about your wedding party. I'm talking about your life. If you don't invite Jesus into your life, who are you going to run to when you're about to run out? Who are you about to run to when you're about to be exposed? Who are you going to run to when you realize there's nowhere else to hide? That it, my, what I've got is running short. I am about to be found out. Luckily, Mary knew who to go to come on we got to know who to go to when problems arise in our life I suggest you know who to go to before problems but when you know that hope is running out joy is running out You better have invited Jesus into your wedding party tell somebody right now invite Jesus got to invite Jesus in now I, I have recently fallen in love with the Chosen series. This is a this is a free TV series that they that you can download onto your any of your devices. Just go to your app store and search the chosen. It's an eight-weeks uh, um, uh, uh, episode, eight-episode series, and I heard season two, episode one is releasing today. I'm pumped about that. Except somebody earlier this week, April fools me, and said they pushed it off a year. I was like, "What? Why would they do that? They lose momentum. That's dumb." And then I, I heard April fools. I'm like, "Come on, man! With the chosen, with the chosen, come on." Anyway and and I've been using some of these episodes to help bring some of the cultural dynamics back in, maybe how it would have felt to be in a moment like that. And so out of episode five, I want to show you a few clips to help me get my point across. Let me set it up real quick. Um, the Chosen portrays uh, the wine suppliers or the cookers of the food, the workers of the kitchen as Thomas and Rama And Thomas and Rama are starting to realize we are running out of wine. I don't know if there's a miscalculation on the guests or a miscalculation on our part, but we're going to run out. They explored every option before exploring uh, uh, or seeking jesus's help and and when they couldn't solve it panic and frantic planning began setting in check this out lighten your pores like this three quarters full
1: if they ask you for more tell them you'll be right back but guess what you won't be understand The guests seem to be happy so far. The servants do not. How are we doing? Nothing to worry about. You are one of the finest banquet masters we have ever seen. Keep up the good work. Mm. <laughs> now? Purification water. There's still some left in these. Dilute the wine. People will notice. Whispers will spread. If they did, I feel like this family would die of shame. What about us? We'd be ruined. It's not a great option, I agree. So help me think. We could serve the guests extra date cakes, oversalt the food, make them thirst for water. I don't know. This is humiliating.
0: Let's keep looking. Come on, they were searching frantically, trying to panic and plan their way out of their predicament. But how many of you know you are going to encounter problems in life that are just bigger than you? In fact, I feel for you, if, if, if you haven't invited Jesus to your party, listen, who are you going to turn to? Now, I can only imagine how heavy your chest could become when the weight of the world rises and falls on you. But the thing I love about being a follower of Jesus, the thing I love about bringing my problems to Jesus, is the weight of the world doesn't rest on my shoulders, it rests on him. Jesus said, come to me, all who are heavy laden, anyone who's burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. Can I tell you a secret? When you give your problems to Jesus, guess what? They're on him now. You don't have to explain anymore. I let Jesus know freely. Listen, you asked me to bring my problems to you, and they're on you now. I can only imagine if you, we would get comfortable standing in front of people and just going, if this doesn't work, it's in God's hands. <laughs> blame him. Don't blame me. Because we all go through situations where we begin to run out. What are you going to do when your health begins to run out? Come on, what are you going to do when your cash flow begins to run out? Your confidence begins to run out. Who are you going to turn to? Now, I love that verse 3a says, there's a problem. They ran out of wine. It was only by verse 3b, the second half of the same sentence, that it says, so Mary went to Jesus with the problem. How many verses will it take in your life before you take the problem to Jesus? We are so busy trying to plan our way out of it, network our way out of it, work our way out of it, do good our way out of it, be a better person on the way out of it. Come on, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to go to sleep late. I'm going to dig myself out of here. But we know that it runs out at some point. There is a gap in our soul that only Jesus can fill. And we cannot work our way out of that problem. We have got to learn to bring that problem to Jesus. You know, there are impossible situations. There are times when we feel outnumbered, outmaneuvered, about to throw in the towel. And that's when you need to speak to Jesus about your problems. One of our dream teamers, what I love about our church, is we have people all over the spiritual journey pursuing Jesus. And no matter where you are, Pursuing Jesus. Maybe you're just checking this out. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. I want to tell you feel comfortable here Welcome home here You could just sit and listen and try to grow here and before long God's gonna start Impressing on you who he's created you to be and who he is for your life one of our dream teamers I love shared so transparently about her position on prayer. And I asked her if I could share this with you. And she gave me her permission because her mom was going through a really bad health situation. We weren't sure how this was going to turn out. And she began to reach out in prayer. And my wife and I were praying. And one day I reached out and and I said, I'm lifting your mom up today. How is she? And this was her response. She said, I have to be honest. I don't know how much I believed in prayer before all of this. It's something I've really struggled with in my faith. Melanie texts me the other morning saying she woke up in the middle of the night praying for my mom. And that just happened to be when they had planned to intubate her. And, and then come morning, they didn't even have to. A day or so later, mom was getting worse again. And I just dropped to my knees in the kitchen. I gave it all over to God. The stress, fear, anxiety, all of it. Now she's being moved out of ICU. And even before I knew that, I've been so much more calm. Prayer is real, and I am so glad that through the last week, I've been faced with the greatness of it all. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your (laughs) prayers. Come on, can we celebrate what God does right now? Some problems are just too big for you, but when you got Jesus at your wedding party, you can take your problem to him. Don't take it to your friend. Don't take it to your mama. Don't take it to your workplace. Don't take it to your bank account. Bring your problems to Jesus. That's number one. Number two, the Bible says in verse 4 and 5 that Jesus told Mary. Dear woman, this ain't our problem. We ain't put on this wedding feast. We're guests. He said, this is not our problem. My time has not yet come. I'm not sure if this is the time to go public or not. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Come on, listen to the faith of this mama. She says, just do whatever he tells you. Number one, bring your problems to Jesus. Number two, the second step to do when you don't know what to do, do all he tells you to. You've got to do all he tells you to. We live in a society today where we like to do some of what he tells us to. It's as if we go through the Bible and we go, oh, I like that. That's good stuff. I'm going to highlight that. That right there, I don't like that very much. Come on. Right, right, right? And we just say, oh, I, I don't know so much about that. Or, or that's too difficult to understand. Or I, no one does it like that anymore. So you know what? I'm just going to nix that one out. But this, oh, I like this one. I'm going to write this on the mirror of my bathroom. I'm going to read it every single morning, right? Don't we get used to doing some of what God tells us to do? I want to encourage you to do all that Jesus tells you to do. I, I, I have a suspicion That if the servants, (laughs) you might know the end of the story by now, that Jesus turns to water to wine and all is well. I have a suspicion that if the servants don't do all that Jesus tells them to do, the miracle doesn't even come. God says over and over that he responds to faith. He works best in faith. He he didn't heal many in his hometown because of scrutiny, judgment, making Jesus too common. He's just my homeboy. But the people who honored him, the people who revered him, the people who did all that he told him to do, oh, they were rewarded, and their faith was rewarded too. Come on, listen. It reminds me of the Old Testament there was a group of people who followed Joshua, and they needed to walk, knock down Jericho's walls. The, the people of God were not a great army at this point, but God told them to walk around Jericho seven times. For, actually, for seven days to walk around it. On a seventh day, walk around it seven times. Now listen, you and I might start rationalizing. That doesn't sound like a very good idea. And that's why Joshua told his people, don't talk. You going to walk two by two. Don't talk to anybody. Why not talk? I think he was saying, you're going to gripe too much. You're going to question God's ways too much. You're going to pick it all apart. So do yourself a favor and shut up and just listen to God for a moment. Sometimes I wonder if God needs less of our reasoning and more of our listening, right? it reminds me of Zechariah in the New Testament. God told him and sent an angel to him and said, you're about to birth the one who's going to pave the way. You're going to name him John the Baptist. Zechariah said... My wife's too old, and so am I. I don't know how this is going to happen. And so God told him, I'm going to make you shut up for the rest of the time. (laughs) While your wife's pregnant, I'm going to make you be quiet. Why? Because you might speak death to this thing. You might scrutinize this thing. Even if you start doubting them in your own mind, at least you won't be able to speak it to your wife or any of the people around you. Because God's at work right now, and sometimes you just need to do all that God told you to do. Can I get an amen? Come on. Less reasoning, more listening. Tell your neighbor right now, do what he says. Come on, if you're with yourself at home, just tell yourself, do what he says. There is a difference between figuring and following. Let's check out what it looks like.
1: Fill these jars with water. I'm not sure you heard her clearly, but we've run out of wine, not water. These are similar in size to your amphorae. The prudent marks, yes. Equally filled all the way to the brim. You're a very responsible person, aren't you? We are in a crisis, and I was led to understand you have a solution. Fill these jars with water all the way to the brim. Why? You heard him. Start drawing water, quickly. Tell anyone you find to stop what they're doing and help. (sighs) From the directions you have provided, I see no logical solution to the problem. It's going to be like that sometimes, Thomas. What did you say? I do not rebuke you. It's good ask questions, to seek understanding. There's no time for this. I know of a man like you in Capernaum, always counting, always measuring. That's my job. And that people will think I have not done well tonight. Join me and I will show
0: you a new way to count
1: and measure, a different way of seeing.
0: Come on, we can be the type who's always figuring or we can be the type who's following. I I I, I think I think it's interesting that they choose Thomas as their interpretation of who might have been the wine supplier there's nowhere in the bible that says that and i'm not even sure if historically they can back that but i think it's an interesting thought because thomas was known to be the doubting disciple right and so it makes sense that when someone comes in and says hey fill these jars with water you're like that doesn't make sense we're not getting anywhere in fact the longer i talk to you the more i'm wasting my time has anyone ever made you feel bad about the amount of time you spend in prayer, about the amount of time you spend in his word, about the amount of time you spend in church. Don't ever let them make you feel bad as if you're wasting your time. He said, come on, just follow what I tell you to do. It's going to go well for you. I'm going to take it from here. I got the situation. But so oftentimes we're like, that's not how social media tells me to do it. That's not how people do it anymore. Everyone's cheating. Everyone's cutting corners. This is how the world works now. And I want to tell you, no, Follow him and do all he says. It works. He will be the greatest lift in your life. Can I get an amen? Verse 6 and 7 goes on to say that there's standing nearby six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. 20 to 30 gallons times 6, that's 180 pounds. 180 gallons times, I've done some research, a gallon of water weighs about 9 pounds. So, so that's 9 pounds times 180 gallons he told them to fill them up, which equals 1,620 pounds of water. That's a lot of time to just go, this is a dumb idea. I don't know about this idea I am sweating my butt off while he's in there like looking at water like what is going on who made him the boss who picked him to be the one that we're all listening to I don't know about this plan I I I I can, I, I can I only imagine that the more amount of time gives time for us to grumble figure and to and to panic and I just want to tell you in your relationships, in your attitude, in your faith, in your giving, in your praying, do not deviate. The the servants had so much time to deviate. At any point, they could have gone, I give up on this idea. Who are you? You've lost your mind. But they didn't deviate, and because they did all that Jesus told them to do, guess what? Jesus is about to reveal his first miracle and all that he's come to do for you and I. Come on, God needs people who is just fully obedient, for it is only through full obedience that you will yield supernatural results. You know, any cutting corners, any halfway, any doing some of it doesn't work. In fact, write this down. You may not understand, but God's got a plan. Do all that he says. Come on, sometimes when you read your word, that's why I like to read my word in the morning because sometimes I go, man, I do not understand, but I'm going to do all that he, that he has told me to. Come on, I have got to work the plan and trust in his ways because anyone who, who leans on him with all of our trust and understanding and we lean on him, he will not fail us. The Bible teaches us that we can trust him in all of our ways. You know, one of the ways God started pressing on me when we were launching church is we talk a lot about being uh, not only just receiving the love of God by understanding he lifts, but then giving the love back and I lift. But this is not a Sunday morning thing, and then we'll see you next Sunday. This is a we lift lifestyle kind of thing where we need to link arms and make an impact on the city. And God challenged me to start going to Halo, which is our local homeless shelter, and just begin preaching the Word of God to them, and just begin asking the worship team to join you and lifting up Jesus in worship, and we get nothing out of it. We just know that it's the right thing to do, and through that, we got to meet Bill, who ended up giving his life to Jesus right before having um, a heart attack, and, and, and we got to uh, uh, be with him and and, and lead his funeral, and, and more have wanted to come. The last time we went, I said, hey, listen, guys, we're on the verge of getting a 15-passenger van. I'm telling you, the whole place launched out in praise and said, pick me up, pick me up, and I want to tell you that we just made a purchase this past week for a 15-passenger van because we're going to start bringing it to the homeless, and we're even going to try to start making a run to SU for those who don't have transportation. You don't need to hire a Lyft or an Uber. We're going to bring you a Lyft. Come on. It's a Lyft 15-passenger van. And, and listen, maybe that's where God says you could drive that vehicle and make a difference in people's lives. Come on, you might not hold a microphone or play a guitar, but you can drive a vehicle and bring people to the greatest lift in life. So it's going to be happening. We're going to start doing that. Let me tell you the third step of do what to do when you don't know what to do. Verse 7 says, when the jars had been filled, the servants went, whew. No, <laughs> they probably did. And then he said, now dip some out. And take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Number one, bring your problems to Jesus. Number two, do all he says. But number three, walk it out in faith. I wish I could see what happened between they filled it up and he said, go dip some out and take it. The, The text leads me to believe that when the last servant threw in the, the, the their, their 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 water he said okay now dip it out <laughs> there's a few people I don't want to be in this story. The first one is the bride or groom who's about to be humiliated for the rest of their life and never going to live it down. Or the in-laws who threw the party and uh, uh, fell short. I don't want to be the master of the ceremonies because you ain't going to get another job as the next bride's master of ceremony when you run out of wine on this one. And I don't want to be the wine suppliers because you're out of a career too in your catering career, right? But the one I really don't want to be I don't want to be the servant can you imagine being the servant who brings the jar and you're just like oh my goodness <laughs> give me a sweat come on. there's your 1680 pounds of water and then he says "Dip some out and take it and you're just like me <laughs> you want me to aren't you going to do some hocus pocus aren't you going to like wave your hands over it aren't you going to spend some time with it in the room alone why am i am i how am i to trust I'm the one serving it, not you. And can you imagine the servant with wobbling hands? Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) This is the dumbest idea. I'm already low on the social economic post. I'm already lower than low. Here we go again. The lowest getting squashed lower. And the lofty getting raised up loftier. Here we go. And then I'm going to serve it to distinguished guests. And I'm still in spitting range. You know when he tastes washing water, that the next move is going to (laughs) be, and I'm going to be standing there like, more wine. (laughs) I bet them servants had a thought or two going through their head. But you know what they also did? Number three, they walked it out in faith. Wobble hands and all, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, the first time I preached, I got on stage, wobble hands and all. You know, first time people sing. You know, first time people serve. You know, the first time people evangelize and tell other people about Jesus. Wobbly voice and all. Come on. But when you just choose to walk it out in faith, oh, I don't know where the miracle happens. I don't know if the water got turned to wine before the servant took it, but I like to believe that God took it when he began to walk it out in faith. Was it not the blind people who received their sight back or was it the leper i don't know i'm mixing up my new testament but they got their sight or leprosy restored when they walked it out sometimes you just got to begin to walk it out this don't make no sense i can't believe i'm the one who's got to do it i can't believe he chooses me and this was supposed to be water this ain't gonna work but because you said so here i go here i go sometimes you gotta walk it out each one of these people had so much at stake humiliation at stake but with Jesus, when He's at your party, you can trust Him because He's the one who changes water to wine. And when He turned their water to wine, He did so much more than turn the groom's water to wine. He did so much more than turn the master of the ceremonies' water to wine or the wine suppliers' water to wine. What He did was He turned their embarrassment to praise. He turned their shame, oh my goodness, when are they going to figure it out, to honor. He turned their worry to relief, Jesus. He turned their concern to joy. He turned their insufficient to overabundant, and he is going to show us through the final miracle that he turns their death to life. Come on and give somebody a praise break right now. Write this down. When you walk it out, he works it out. When you walk it out, he works it out. By the end of the wedding, everyone knew they could trust Jesus with their problems. And by the end of this experience, I pray you too will learn the same truth, that you can trust Jesus with your problems. You just got to take your problems to Jesus. You got to do all he says, and then you got to walk it out. I don't know how this goes. I don't know, I don't know how to exactly to do this. How do I walk it out? This is how. Join us for the next three weeks. If if you don't have a church home and this is where you live, welcome home. We invite you to join us for the next three weeks. We're going to continue using the chosen to try to get a perspective on walking along with Jesus as well as the gospels. We would love to have you come check it out. Um, uh, if you're not from here, find a church where you live and get plugged in. Uh, you can also choose to get baptized next week. That's another walking in and out. How does this baptism work? What happens with baptism? I don't know, but I'm going to get in the tank, shaking and all, because I'm going to take the next step with Jesus. Or you take your next step and join our team and become uh, a, a van driver. You become someone who does something amazing around here, and God will use you. Now, I want to finish my time with this as the band comes. If this is what Jesus reveals to us with his first miracle, how much exponentially more does he reveal to us with his final miracle? It was at his first miracle that he saved the festivities. It was at his final miracle that he saved you and me. Oh, come on, listen. It was at the first one where he turned water to wine. It was at the final one that he turned death to life. It was at the first one that he washed away their shame, and it's at the final one that he washed away your blame. Come on. Our sin gets risen up against us, and I start feeling shameful about the things I've done. I start holding my head down, and I start realizing I'm not sure how I would fare in the presence of God, and yet it was at Jesus' final miracle. They said, I got something significantly more, better than turning water to wine. I'm going to spill blood. And when my blood is spilled for you, I will die on the cross. Oh, but three days later, I will rise again. And you will see death go to life. Water to wine, that's nothing. It's only a taste of what is to come. Turning your shame into honor. Oh, come on. Can you realize that each, the master of the ceremony, the groom's parents, the, 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 the bride and the groom, they should have each experienced shame at the running out of wine. Instead, it ended up being each's fame. For we are still telling their story today that when Jesus arrived and he touched my source of shame, He turned everything around. And what should have been lamenting and crying and mourning, he gave me dancing for mourning. Come on. He gave me beauty for ashes. He turned it all around, and he can do it in your life too. I know I had areas of shame, regrets, hurts, stupid decisions and wrong moves. But when I brought my humble offerings of water to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He took my humble offerings. And he took what should suffer and die and rise from the dead on the 3rd day. That's Jesus's final miracle. But it is also written, someone say also written. This message This message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. What message do you ask? This is the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. He is the one who turns shame into honor. He is the one who does so much more than water to wine. He brings death to life. Come on, right now, I want to pray for some people in here. Where, I would ask you, would you close your eyes and reflect on your life? How are you with God? Are you tight with Him? Are things a little bit strained? Sin has a way Of separating us from God where we know it's almost like I want to hide my face from him I want to delay meeting him God forbid it be now I'm just not ready I got to get some things straight and like I said people like Thomas and Ramah would try to reason their way out of their shame but you can't reason your way out of it you just need to listen listen to the voice of Mary who just says just do all that he says to do quit scrambling quit hustling Quit your religious do goodism. Just do all that he says. Just believe him and follow him. And when you follow him, he will turn what should be your shame. He will turn it around. And he's going to do it through the name that's above every name. His name is Jesus. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're like, Pastor Drew, I'm not where I should be with God. Something's happening right now. I feel something going on, and I have got to give my life to Christ whether it's your first time or where you decide, I've been running too long and I'm coming back to him. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Come on. Would you say right now, that is me. I won't call you up for prayer. I won't embarrass you or point you out, but I'm going to ask you if right now the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart and you're like, it's time to make things right. Right now, would you just raise your hand high in the sky and say, include me in that prayer. That's me, Pastor Drew. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see hands, I see hands. If you're online and you're at home or you're listening to this on demand, you say, right now the Holy Spirit's moving in my car. Right now the Holy Spirit's moving in my living room. That's me. Then click the button that says, I have made a decision. Or write in the chat, include me, Pastor Drew. I want to pray for you right now. But before I do, I want to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord... You you call him your your savior. He will set you free. And you will be saved. The past will be gone and the new will come. So we're going to pray right now. Live Church praise together. But especially those who raise your hand, pray it. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I am a sinner. I have made mistakes. I have fallen short. I've, I've made some dumb decisions. I'm sorry for them Lord, please wipe away my shame, please forgive me of hurting you. I want to live for you, I choose you now, Jesus you are the son of God, and you died to set me free, I give you leadership in my life, I let you call the shots, and I will simply follow all that you say, in Jesus name, and everyone said? amen and amen come on church and applaud those who made that decision all over the room one more thing I want to say you might be in here and you go pastor drew it's a good message and God's using you I'm, I'm feeling something and 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 this experience has been great but I'm not there yet I just want to tell you it's okay just come back next week feel free to sit with us and just walk it out everybody's got a different pace I'm just encouraging you to take one more step and just walk it out with us. Amen. You are welcome here. In fact, welcome home. Come on, church, and welcome them home. Come on, welcome home, home. As I pray over everybody online and in person, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he lift your face and give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray. And if you receive.